As the rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, may I welcome you very warmly to this service, which is brought to you while our doors are closed due to the coronavirus outbreak. It has been collated from our archive of live call, music, hymns and liturgy, together with prayers and a sermon specially recorded for each service, and with readings led by members of our choir and congregation and recorded in their own homes. We shall be offering this act of worship on your behalf, so please join your prayers with ours, and may the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. It is a great delight to welcome you to St Bride's for our service of choral evensong on this, the fourth Sunday of Easter. Wherever you are in the world right now, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you're very much part of the St Bride's family. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to offer unto him, through our Lord Jesus Christ, our worship and praise and thanksgiving. 
to make confession of our sins, to pray as well for others as for ourselves, that we may know more truly the greatness of God's love and show forth in our lives the fruits of his grace, and to ask on behalf of all men such things as their well-being doth require. Wherefore, let us kneel now and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no help in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. May the almighty and merciful Lord grant unto you pardon and remission of all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The Old Testament reading is written in the book of the prophet Ezra, chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. And when the seventh month was come, and the children of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. Then stood up Jeshua the son of Josadak, and his brethren the priests, and Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, and his brethren, and builded the altar of the God of Israel, to offer burnt offerings thereon, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. And they set the altar upon his bases, for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries, and they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. They kept also the feast of tabernacles, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings by number, according to the custom, as the duty of every day required. And afterward offered the continual burnt offering, both of the new moons, and of all the set feasts of the Lord that were consecrated, and of every one that willingly offered a free will offering unto the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. They gave money also unto the masons and to the carpenters, and meat and drink and oil unto them of Sidon and to them of Tyre, to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the sea of Joppa, according to the grant that they had of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now in the second year of their coming unto the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month, began Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua the son of Josadak, and the remnant of their brethren the priests and the Levites, and all they that were come out of the captivity unto Jerusalem, and appointed the Levites from twenty years old and upward to set forward the work of the house of the Lord. Then stood Jeshua with his sons and his brethren, Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, together, to set forward the workmen in the house of God, the sons of Henadad, with their sons and their brethren the Levites. And while the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites the sons of Asaph with cymbals, to praise the Lord, after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by course, in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good, for his mercy endureth for ever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites, and chief of their fathers, who were ancient men, that had seen the first house, when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice, and many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the noise was heard afar off. This is the word of the Lord.
The New Testament lesson is taken from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Jesus Christ, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you.
Almighty God, whose Son, Jesus Christ, is the resurrection and the life, raise us who trust in him from the death of sin unto the life of righteousness, that we may seek those things which are above, where he liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that both our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night for the love of thy only Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We live in interesting times. Like many clergy during this period of lockdown, I find that my days are very full, but that ministry has a rather different shape to it. Some things, of course, have remained unchanged. I still say morning prayer here every day and remember you all in prayer and prepare weekly sermons and intercessions, which I then deliver, albeit to a microphone rather than to an actual congregation. And of course, I have a lot of meetings. But inevitably, much more of my time than usual is being spent at my desk, because just about all of my personal and pastoral interactions these days are of necessity being conducted over the phone or by email or FaceTime or Zoom. One thing that I am finding is that my evenings are no longer full of meetings and work-related social activities, as is normally the case. For most of my ordained life, the prospect of a free evening has felt like a rare luxury. But these days, I do find I have several free evenings each week, which feels like a real gift. So, resisting the temptation to fill that time catching up with whatever happens to be trending on Netflix, I'm finding the scope to do more reading than usual. And one of the things I've been able to do is to revisit those books on my shelves that either I've never got around to reading at all, or that I started but didn't manage to finish. And to my great joy and delight, I have discovered some real treasures amongst those neglected tomes. It's a strange feeling, a bit like having lived with a battered old sofa for many years and then discovering one day that there was a diamond necklace behind the cushions, which had been there for ages, but which you had never found because you had never looked. And I'd like to tell you about one of those very special books this evening. I bought this particular book about 15 years ago when I came across it in the bookstall of a place where I was staying on retreat. I had only managed to read about five pages of it before my retreat ended, and so I had to set it aside. And because it's the kind of book that invites you to do various things rather than simply to read it, somehow I had never gone back to it because the time had never felt right. It looked like a book that was going to need more of my time and attention than I had to spare. So, at long last, I took it off the shelf, dusted it off, and plunged in. The book is by the wonderful writer on spirituality, Margaret Silf, and it's called Landmarks, an Ignatian Journey. It's a book that does indeed take you on a spiritual journey of discovery and exploration, based on the wisdom and the insights of the founder of the Jesuit order, St. Ignatius Loyola. And it's a wonderful book, weaving together biblical themes, stories from the author's own life, and extraordinarily wise reflections upon the nature of human life and our life with God. 
It's a book that asks some very challenging questions of its reader, but in a way that is always gentle and compassionate and humane. I've found it both refreshing and restorative to read and to work through. And I'd like to share with you one of the stories that the author tells, which certainly spoke to me very powerfully, particularly in a complex and difficult time such as the present, where the future feels so uncertain for us all. This particular story immediately engaged my interest because it involves a canal. Having myself lived and worked in Birmingham for more than 20 years, a city that prides itself on having more canals than Venice, it certainly spoke to me. This is the story she tells. A woman who was going through the most unimaginably bleak time in her life after a terrible bereavement, had a holiday on a narrow boat and found that the experience of going through a canal tunnel spoke to her experience of desolation very powerfully. Margaret Silf quotes the woman's description of the physical experience of going through that tunnel. You cannot even see your hand in front of you without a light to guide you. The exit is not visible as you go through the tunnel. You have to trust that it is there once you have entered the tunnel's mouth. It is an unpleasant experience because of the difficulties encountered along the way, narrowly missing other boats, scraping or bumping into the walls, the smells, the dark, the diesel fumes that hang in the air and choke you. As Margaret Silf points out, this is a vivid picture of how the experience of spiritual desolation can feel too, although it goes without saying that everyone's experience will be unique. She observes, small wonder that in such inner circumstances, we are tempted to give up, turn back, change direction, and reverse the decision we first made to make the journey that has led us into the tunnel. And this chimed in with the reflection that dawned on the woman on the canal boat, who suddenly realized herself that you can't turn a 40-foot boat round in a tunnel. So once you've started, you have to continue. To reverse is to lose your steering control. In the process of reflecting upon that experience, the bereaved woman realized that although her life felt so unutterably bleak, going forward through the tunnel was the only option for her. And she recognized too that eventually all tunnels come to an end. She concluded her story with these words. When you emerge on the other side, the light seems brighter, the birdsong sweeter, and the dappling in the water more beautiful. You see the world with new eyes because of the darkness behind you. You have arrived at a new place further on in your journey. 
St Ignatius was not alone in recognising that it is folly to take life-changing decisions when your life is in what he would describe as desolation. And this woman's story illustrates very poignantly why that is the case. Today is the fourth Sunday of Easter. We are still very much in the season of celebration, rejoicing in the gift of new life and new hope in the risen Christ. But there is so much darkness and difficulty and uncertainty around us at present that it can be hard to keep hold of all that at times. And it is certainly the case in life that when the tunnel feels dark and you cannot yet see the light of the exit, you can begin to doubt whether you will ever re-emerge. But that is precisely why all that it needs is the merest glimmer of light afar off for that hope and that joy and that optimism in the future to be restored to us. It is there ahead of us. We just need to remain hopeful and courageous and steadfast, secure in the knowledge that the light and hope of Christ is still there. <clears throat> it is just that we may not be able to see it ourselves in the present moment. Thanks be to God for his light, his hope, and his peace. Amen.
Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than either we desire or deserve. Pour down upon us the abundance of your mercy for giving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things that we are not worthy to ask but through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, you create light in the heart of darkness and draw forth hope from the midst of despair. We hold before you the dark places of our world. We pray for all who will spend this night in fear or in flight, for all victims of conflict and violence, for all migrants and refugees, for those who sleep on the streets of our city, and for those who are vulnerable to the dark forces of addiction and abuse. We pray too for all men and women of violence, for those who exploit others for financial gain, for all whose hardness of heart robs others of their full humanity and diminishes their own. Heavenly Father, may your light kindle new light in all places of hopelessness and despair. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, you create light in the heart of darkness and draw forth hope from the midst of despair. We pray for all who are sick or suffering in body, mind, or spirit. We hold before you all who are seriously unwell with coronavirus, those who are fighting for their lives this night in hospital. We pray for their families and friends and for all who seek to care for them. We continue to pray for our hospital staff, for all who work in care homes and support the vulnerable in the community. We pray for all who feel under-resourced and exhausted by the demands laid upon them, those whose own lives are put at risk as the result of their work. And we pray for all others whose work produces and delivers the supplies we need for our daily existence and who keep all our essential services functioning. We pray too for all who are struggling with isolation or who are fearful for the future. Those who are concerned for their employment or their financial welfare. We remember too those who are living with the desolation of bereavement and loss. Compassionate God, surround them with your love 
and bring them your peace. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, you create light in the heart of darkness and draw forth hope from the midst of despair. We pray for your church throughout the world and for those entrusted with its leadership. We ask your blessing upon this church of St. Bride, for all members of our church family throughout the world, and for our life as a community of faith. We give thanks for the light of your gospel, and we pray that in these dark and difficult times, we may all seek to be bearers of your light and your hope. Strengthen us in our discipleship. Encourage us when we feel lost or alone. And help us all to know your presence with us now. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, you create light in the heart of darkness and draw forth hope from the midst of despair. We hold before you this night all whom we carry in our hearts, all those known to us who are in particular need of our prayers and those who have no one to pray for them. We hold them before you in the silence of our hearts and we ask your blessing upon them. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask for your protection and guidance. May your love surround us. May your wisdom inspire us. May your will direct us. May your strength sustain us. And may your holy angels guard, protect, and defend us in all that we do. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful Father, Accept these prayers for the sake of thy Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. <laughs>